Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. A little bit different kind of <clears throat> Resurrection Day message, I think, this morning, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but this message was born out of a conversation that I had, I had with a pastor friend of mine um, some time back. I was talking with him on the phone. He's he's from another state. It doesn't matter, uh, you know. But anyway, he's from another state, and <clears throat> uh, I was talking with him on the phone, and there was an underlying underlying um, tone of discouragement. Have you ever talked to someone? And you know, as they're you're talking to them, that they're discouraged, but they won't admit it. And and that was him. And and pastors are a funny breed um, because we never want to admit we're having trouble. Just saying, okay. And um, anyway, as I talked with him, <clears throat> he tried to you know put a good spin on it and everything, but I could tell he was discouraged because you know he's a good friend of mine. And I tried to encourage him, but uh, honestly, I wasn't very successful. But after we hung up the phone, I spent some time praying for him. And as I prayed for him, I started to think about what discouragement is like. And for some reason, I don't know why, but for some reason, as I as I thought about discouragement, I thought I, I got this picture of a wall, and and how sometimes discouragement can be like a wall in our lives, where where <clears throat> we have nowhere to go. We we look at this wall and of discouragement, and it can be. It can be almost impenetrable. It's high. And it seems like it goes all the way around. There's nowhere to go. There's, there's nowhere to, no one to talk to sometimes because you're all, you can feel all alone. Now, I, I won't ask for how many of you have ever felt that way because we've all felt that way, haven't we? And as I prayed for my friend, I, 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 thought, I thought of this, this thought. I, and this is what I said. I said, God, pull down the wall of discouragement in his life. And that was my, my prayer for him. Was that, as I, again, as I, as I prayed for him, this, this, this picture of this huge wall in his life. And I mean, we've all been there, so we all know what it's like. And I said, God, pull down this wall of discouragement. And, and, and you could be sitting there thinking, uh, immediately thinking, wait a minute, we're supposed to be excited about the resurrection and you're talking about discouragement. <clears throat> Just hang with me, okay? Because we are here to celebrate <clears throat> the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we're here to celebrate. A guy named John Stott wrote this. The concept of the resurrection lies at the heart of Christianity. If you remove it, Christianity is destroyed. The resurrection is the key to a Christian life. 
If we take that element out of our lives, then we have nothing. We can, we can call Grace Baptist Church a, a country club instead of a church. It's the resurrection that is the key to the joy and the excitement that's in Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, it says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, there's that key, thou shalt be saved. The key is the resurrection. We celebrate Christmas, and we should. The birth of Christ, we couldn't have the resurrection without the birth. But the birth, the Christmas, the, 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 the season of Christmas for a Christian should be less important. Please understand the context I'm saying this. Should be less important than the resurrection because if without the resurrection, the birth means nothing. It's the resurrection that we should get so excited about. But the world has buried the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ into, into chocolate Easter bunnies and, and, and eggs and all of this peripheral stuff. I have yet to figure out how a bunny can lay an egg. Just, just, just saying. I, I, I struggle with that, just being honest. <clears throat> but anyway, the title of my message this morning is this. Pulling down the wall of discouragement. Pulling down the wall of discouragement. It can be, it can seem like an impossible task at times. But I'm so thankful that God gives us a way to pull down that discouragement. Many of us are familiar with the story of the resurrection of Christ. Early in the morning, the ladies go to anoint the body of Jesus as was the custom of the day. After three days, they would anoint the body. And they go to anoint the body, and what do they find? An an empty tomb. Most theologians believe that that happened early in the morning, probably 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. And then later that day, probably around noon, sometime after noon, is the story that we are about to read takes place. So it's the same day that they found the empty tomb. Okay? The, the, the story that we're about to read takes place on the heels of the resurrection. But let's look at uh, chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, verses 1 and 2. It says, Now upon the first day of the week... Very early in the morning they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. Amen. The resurrection. What an exciting thing. I I cannot imagine what they were going through. Because they they didn't quite understand what the resurrection was yet. They, They thought somebody stole the body. So here they have all these different emotions going on, but for us, we know that that is the resurrection. But let's let's go to verse 13. In verse 13, it says, And behold, two of them went the same day to a village, excuse me, 
<clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> went to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jer- Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they, talking together of all these things which had happened, and it came to pass that while they were communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Okay, so the, what is the account here? The account here is this. These two guys walking down the road to Emmaus are the first two to see the risen Christ. Okay, this is, this is significant. Verse 16, but their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, what manner of communication are, are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are what? Sad. They were discouraged. Why were they discouraged? Look at verse 18. And one of them, uh, uh, whose name is uh, Cleopas, answered and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? So what happens? Jesus comes along to these two guys walking down the road to Emmaus. In fact, I have a picture here of what the, what the road, uh, what, it, this is the actual road road today. Okay, so they're walking down this road, the road to Emmaus. Emmaus was a small village about eight miles from Jerusalem. And they're walking down this, this, this road, and Jesus comes alongside, and, and he says, why are you so discouraged? And they look at him like he's got four heads. They say, where have you been? Everybody in Jerusalem knows what has happened over the last several days. What, are you a visitor in town? Did, did, have you not heard what's going on? Look at verse 19. And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which uh, was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all people, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him uh, to be condemned to death and, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have uh, redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since uh, these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made, a, uh, made us astounded, uh, astonished, excuse me, uh, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they... <coughs> had also seen a vision of an angel which said that he is alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. And Lord, thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for loving us enough to show us your love in this very precious way. We are truly thankful and truly blessed.
For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Jesus comes alongside and he, and, he, and, he, and he inquires, you know, why are you guys so discouraged? And they said, uh, <clears throat> because of the things that have been happening. And in verse 19, Jesus says, what things? What things? So, point number one this morning, what things? What what. You know, what, 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 why are you so discouraged? And Jesus obviously knew what was bothering them. He, he was, he's God. He knew what was bothering them. Uh, he had just lived the events that they were discouraged about. So he wasn't asking for information. He was wanting them to reflect on their own thoughts. Discouragement comes in all shapes and sizes and can affect each and every one of us. For them, discouragement was the circumstances of the last week. See, they had had allowed the circumstances of the last week to become a discouragement to them. Nothing worked out the way it was supposed to. Have you ever been there? <laughs> More than once. <laughs> How I, you know? I I I don't know. I've I've said this before, but I I think God laughs at me a lot because I I I, I am this. My personality type is is I will I will come up with a list of things I want God to do, and then. <laughs> and then he, he's just got to laugh at me. Really? You, you, you're telling me what you want me to do. I, I, you know, anyway, I'm just kind of dumb that way. But God's patient with me, praise God. He's patient with all of us. But the longer they talked about it, the more they talked about it, the more discouraged they got. Let, let me share something with you here because this is this is really important. They had all the information they needed to solve the puzzle. When Jesus asked them what things, they turned around and said uh, in verse 20, well, the crucifixion of Christ. In verse 21, the resurrection of Christ. Verse 22, the empty tomb. Verse 23, the testimony of the angel. And verse 24, the testimony of the people. They had all the pieces to the puzzle. But they hadn't put all the pieces together yet. And they were so discouraged because of the circumstances. Now, I I, I love puzzles. And the other other day, probably a month, maybe two months ago now, my wife bought me a puzzle. Uh, <clears throat> she brought it home, and I started working on it. And then my grandkids came over. <laughs> and my, my, my little grandson, who how old is he? 19 months. I thought I had pushed the pieces back far enough for his little hand. <clears throat> well, I didn't. And he ate about five pieces. 
And <laughs> do you know how discouraging it is to do a puzzle knowing you have five pieces missing? I just threw it away. I, I'm like, I ain't, I ain't even going to mess with it. But see, that's how, that's how we do sometimes. We try to put the, piece, the p- puzzle together with pieces missing. And they had all the pieces, but they hadn't, they hadn't quite figured out how they all fit together. The problem, the problem was they lacked faith. What they were doing is what we do oftentimes. They were looking at the wall of discouragement saying, I can't get over the wall. Now, they had all the pieces to the puzzle to pull the wall down. But they hadn't, they were looking at the wall instead of the pieces. And, and way too often, that's exactly what we do. God gives us all the pieces to the puzzle. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 it says, faith, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for <clears throat> and the evidence of things not seen. What were they trying to do? They were trying to rationalize the events of the last week through the filter of human rationale. Guess what? That doesn't work. And they were, try- they were trying to figure out all the events without faith. So then the next logical question becomes, how do we grow our faith? There are times in our lives when God is working in our lives and he's putting pieces of the puzzle in our lives and, and, and we, we, we fail to recognize all the pieces. But the pieces are there. We just don't see them. And we don't recognize how they are going to all kind of work together one day. And as I talked to my friend on the phone that day, and he was so discouraged, I could, I could sense the discouragement. That wall of discouragement can be daunting at times. It can be discouraging. Well, hello. That, but I think you know what I mean. Just looking at that wall can make the wall seem even higher than it actually is. So, my second point. Growing your faith. What things? Well, the, the, the thing is the, the pieces of the puzzle. Now, how do we, how do we grow our faith? Look, look at verse 25. <clears throat> And he, being Jesus, said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have, been, uh, to have suffered these things and have entered into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them <clears throat> all the scriptures, the things concerning him. And they drew nigh unto the, unto the village, whether they went. And he made, excuse me, and he made also, uh, 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 though he 
uh, would have uh, gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and, and break and gave them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? Verse 33, and he and they arose, <coughs> excuse me, and they rose up at uh, the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together uh, and them that were with them. So what happened? Jesus, Jesus very simply takes the word of God. And he takes, he doesn't, okay, let, 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 let's back up a little bit. What doesn't Jesus do? When, when, when he said, when they, they were like, what, what is going on? I, you know, what about all these things that have happened? Jesus doesn't just go, poof, here I am. You know, I'm, I'm really Jesus. You know, he doesn't do that. What does he do? He takes them where? To the word of God. And he starts quoting scripture over and over and over and over. And it's the word of God that burned within their hearts. See, it's the word of God that changes lives. And Jesus was, was not interested in, in putting on a big show. What was he trying to do? He was trying to capture their hearts. Because he knew that the answer to the puzzle was in the Word of God. They knew. They had all the pieces. They just had to put them all together. And so often when we get discouraged and we are facing this wall of discouragement, the best thing in the world we can do is run to the book. Because the book has the answers. His desire was to show what was to help them realize that their problem was not their head knowledge. They had all the head knowledge that they needed. Their problem was their heart knowledge. Getting the information from here to here. One 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 theologian said that that the longest distance in the world is 18 inches, getting the information from your head to your heart. And that's what Jesus was trying to do because it's the Word of God that burned within them. If you notice, they did not say, hey, when He talked to us, our hearts burned within us. No, it was when He shared the Word of God, their hearts burned within them. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's really pretty simple. But look at verse 25. And he said unto them, 
O fools and slow of heart, believe all uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, slow of heart to believe all the that the prophets have spoken. Jesus was also uh, helping them to recognize what the Old Testament had been teaching them about the Messiah. In verses 36 to 38, we're not going to read it for time's sake, but <clears throat> verses, well, let's go ahead and read verses 30, 36 to 38. Uh, and, <clears throat> and, and as they spoke, Jesus, okay, let me stop here for a second. Okay, verse 36, he's not talking about the, 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 the guys um, on the road to Emmaus anymore. He's talking to his disciples, okay? The, the, the scene changes here. Like, so <clears throat> verse 36, And as, the, as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them uh, and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and uh, uh, frightened, also supposed that they had seen a spirit. And verse 38, and he said unto them, why are ye troubled? And why do uh, thoughts arise in your heart? What, what happened here? Jesus, Jesus shows up to his disciples and, and, and basically the same kind of response as the two guys from on the road to Emmaus. They, they were scared. They didn't know how to react. And Jesus like, hey, don't be afraid. But what were the disciples going through? The disciples had had literally felt like their world had fallen apart because Jesus actually died. And, and that they hadn't seen the body. So they 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 probably, in fact, Thomas later testifies, he says, Hey, until I stick my finger in his side or in his hand, I'm not going to believe it. Discouragement is a real thing, and it was, and it wasn't just these two guys on the road to Emmaus. It was all of them. They were, they were all discouraged because, because obviously they had never experienced anything like this. The hard reality is, many times we have the same problem. I told you a little while ago that. Pastors are a funny breed because, you know, we, we know oftentimes all the answers to, all, to we, well, we know all the questions and we know all the answers, right? When people are discouraged, oftentimes they'll come to a pastor and, and it's, it's, quote unquote, our, our job to help them through times of discouragement. And because of that, we know all the all the answers to help them through. Does that make sense? Well, back back of several years ago, I went through a season where I was really discouraged. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I was as low as I've ever been in my life. I don't. I I, I did not have a nervous breakdown, but I wondered. I wonder what a nervous breakdown feels like. That's how low I had gotten. And I remember one day, Melanie walked into my office and I was sitting at my desk just totally emotionally spent. I, I was just so down. 
And she said, Rick, you need to call someone to help you. And I said, it won't do any good. She said, why won't it do any good? I said, because I know all the questions and I know all the answers. But what had I done? I had allowed the wall. I was looking at the wall. And I was allowing that wall of discouragement to control my life. Then my wife did something really mean. (laughs) She called a friend of mine, threw me under the bus. Can you believe that? So I get this random phone call from this guy, this friend of mine, and and he says, your wife called me and told me you're discouraged. And then I said, yeah, I am. And he encouraged me to do some reading. And I want to share with you what God did in my life. First Peter chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And I spent time meditating on this passage. I read it over and over and over and over again. And God started pulling down that wall of discouragement in my life. And I started to realize that God does love me. And he cares about me. And that Satan... Is, a, is as a roaring lion seeking about, seeking whom he may what? Make miserable? No. He, Satan wanted to devour my life. And I was letting him do it. And as I sat in my office and I, I spent the whole day, I, I locked myself in the office. The only I came out to eat lunch. That was the only thing I did. I spent the entire day in my office and the Lord, through Scripture, started pulling down that wall. See, it's the Word of God that burns in our hearts. It's the Word of God that changes lives. And we're no different than those two guys walking down the road to Emmaus. Warren Wearsby, one of my favorite commentators, wrote this about the two guys on the road to Emmaus. He said, <clears throat> what, their base, what, what was their basic problem? They did not believe all the prophets uh, had written about the Messiah. That was the problem with most of the Jews in that day. They saw, the, they, they saw Messiah as a conquering redeemer, but... They did not see him as a suffering Savior. As they read the Old Testament, they saw the glory, but not the suffering, the crown, but not the cross. The teachers in that day were uh, not unlike some of the success preachers of today, blind to the total message of the Bible. It's the Word of God that changes lives.
not the philosophies of men, but the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall uh, heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Boy, if that doesn't sound like today, I don't know what does. See, these two guys had the head knowledge, but they hadn't made it to their heart yet. But when Jesus started quoting Scripture and, and, and giving them the Word of God, it was, the, it was that that changed their lives. It's interesting to me that when they, when they got to Emmaus, what did they do with Jesus? They said, hey, you come and stay with us. Why, why, why do you think they were so excited, for lack of better terms, to have Jesus stay with them? Because of the burning that had been taking place in their hearts. They wanted more. They wanted more. And, and the reality is this, as, as believers in Jesus Christ, as we hear the word, we should want more of the word. It should burn within us and it should cause us to want more. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, uh, that they may grow thereby. We should be like babies struggling to want more. Everybody knows what babies do. You know, they get hungry. What do they do? They cry. And they and they and they are not satisfied until they get what they want. We're the same way, we just don't cry. We we throw fits. First Corinthians chapter eight, verse one. Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up and uh, but Charity uh, 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 envieth. And we talked about this yesterday in our men's Bible study, how, how, how knowledge puffs up. And we, we can get proud of knowledge, head knowledge. But what is, what is Paul telling us here in 1 Corinthians? If that, if that knowledge doesn't make it down to our hearts, it, it, it only causes pride. We need to be careful. Understanding the scriptures can lead to a big head if we don't make the application to the heart. When I was in Bible college, the when I, I my first semester in Bible college, a pastor came through and was speaking to the student body, and he made this statement. He said, "The easiest place in the world to backslide or get away from God is at Bible college." And I thought, wow, that guy's a nut. I mean, we, you know, we, we study the Bible all day long. But you know what I found out? He was right. Because the Bible became a textbook instead of the Word of God. And as a pastor, I have to fight. I have to fight against that in my life. 
Because think about this. In a very practical sense, you pay me to study this book, right? And it can become so routine that I never take time for myself. It's the Word of God that changes lives. I want to draw your attention to two verses. Well, well, let's read verse 19. Uh, and, And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus, Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. Now, if you if you mark in your Bible, which I do, uh, but if you do, I want you to underline the word prophet. Okay? Look down to verse 34. Saying, now after Jesus had revealed himself to them, and, and the, the word of God had burned in their hearts and their lives, In verse 34, it says this, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. What happened? If you, again, if you mark your Bible, underline uh, the two words, the Lord. In verse 19, he was a prophet. But when they understood the word of God, they realized he was what? The Lord. How did they get from verse 19 to verse 34? It was the Word of God that took them there. It was not Jesus revealing himself to them. It was the Word of God that got them there. Colossians chapter 16, or excuse me, chapter 3, verse 16, says, Let the Word of God dwell in you richly, Uh, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. The word dwell there means to influence. Let the word of God influence you richly in all wisdom. This book should influence every part of our lives. These two, these two men were no longer discouraged by the events of, of, of the week, but they were encouraged because God, through Jesus Christ, pulled down the wall of discouragement in their lives. They were so, they were so excited, they turned around and went back to Jerusalem. Now think about that. When they, when they were trying to get Jesus to spend the night, what were, they, what were they saying? Hey, it's getting late. But when they found out, when they realized that he was the Lord, what did they do? They got excited and they went back in the middle of the night. Well, I don't know if it was the middle of the night, but it was probably dark anyway. Back to Jerusalem. Because why? They had to tell other people. And when we get excited about the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what we're going to do? We're going to tell others about him. On resurrection, on this resurrection day, let Jesus pull down the wall of discouragement in your life. As I prayed for the message this 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 morning, I 
I, I prayed and, and, and God kept bringing me back to this message of, uh, so I, I have to believe in my heart that there are people here right now who are discouraged. That you're struggling with something in your life. Let me encourage you. Let Jesus Christ this on this resurrection day pull down the wall of discouragement in your life. He can do it. But he'll do it through this book. He'll do it through the book. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I can face tomorrow. Letting God pull down the wall of discouragement is important. But more importantly than that, is I hope that this morning, if Jesus Christ is not Lord of your life, that this morning you will let him be Lord of your life. Instead of Jesus being a prophet or a good man or, or whatever you, you think, let him be Lord of your life because that's what he wants to be. In verses 25 and 26, the, 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 the guys, uh, uh, are, are, look at verse 26, and, and it says, Ought not Christ uh, uh, to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? What things? What thing? The same things that they had talked about earlier. It wasn't Christ supposed to die on the cross? Was he not supposed to raise from the dead three days later? Yes, he was. And all the pieces are there. We, we have all the pieces. All we have to do is take all those pieces and bring them together and believe it with all of our hearts. Jesus suffered on that cross to pay, our, to pay the price of sin for you and for me. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, or, or what we deserve because of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is the gift of God. Jesus came. He lived 30 plus years on this, on this earth, a sinless life. He died on the cross. He suffered for you and for me. That is the gift. And then three days later, he rose from the dead, giving us the resurrection day. Victory over death. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 54 and 55, it says this, So when this corruption shall have <clears throat> put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass this saying that is written, Death, where is uh, it, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Because of Jesus Christ, we can have victory. Recently, somebody said to me, Death scares me. I said, Doesn't scare me. Because Jesus Christ has given us a victory over death. And that's what we're here to celebrate this morning is the resurrection. 
the, the, the power that gives us victory over death. So in closing, let me ask you, what Jesus are you here to worship this morning? Are you here to worship the prophet or the risen Savior, the Lord? See, the, the choice is really simple. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. All we have to do is recognize that we're sinners and ask Jesus Christ to come into our hearts and save us. Confess our sins and, and he'll do the rest. That's what, that's what we're here to worship this morning. Hopefully. The resurrection. Discouragement is a real thing that many of us face. When we allow the circumstances of life to control our happiness, we will get discouraged. Let's let Jesus Christ pull down the wall of discouragement. Let's let Jesus Christ this, this, this morning be our risen Savior. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, we are so truly, truly blessed that you loved us enough to come and to pay the price of our sin. That we might be saved. So thankful for that. And Lord, this morning as we close our service, let me ask you to do a work in our hearts and lives. Lord, I again, I believe that there may be one or maybe more people here that are, are, are discouraged right now. I, I don't know what's going on in the hearts and lives of everyone here this morning. It's impossible for me to know, but I just, I, I can't help but believe there's just, there's just some people here this morning that are discouraged. Lord, and I trust that this morning's message has been an encouragement to them and that you will help them pull down the wall of discouragement through the Word of God. But Lord, my other burden this morning is that there's somebody here who has never trusted you as Lord and Savior. That this morning would be the day that they would surrender their lives to you. With every head bowed,